You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Direct from our central London studio, here's your host, Lori Havelock. This week on the Ticker Podcast, an IR masterclass with Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, the Fed rate hike looms ever closer, and how roadshows were organized in 2015. Welcome back to the Ticker Podcast. It's a weekly roundup of the top headlines from around the world of investor relations. And this week, we're full up again. I'm with Tim Human, Condice de Montpetit, and Garnet Roche. Hello. 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 First things first, and I think it's very important to mention this, that we, the current pod lineup, uh, distinguished themselves this morning by being the only IR magazine department to make it into the office in its entirety before 11 a.m. Uh, yes, it's Christmas party season, and our turn to dress up, eat, drink, be merry was yesterday. Had an excellent night, kicked off uniquely actually by Casey, who's IR Mag's master of all things online, who organised a treasure hunt around the office for all that culminated in a Christmas carol singing session on the roof. It was very, very beautiful. And after dinner and drinks, the most dedicated partiers went on to paint the town red. Some of us had a date with the galaxy far, far away instead. But don't worry, the ticker is a resolutely spoiler-free podcast. There'll be no Star Wars MacGuffins today. Yeah, we had a good time. We, we all look remarkably fresh-faced and ready to ready to pod today. Is it a good thing that we were the first full department back in after the party? <laughs> Does that suggest that we were the people who were prepared to leave earliest and get a good night's sleep? Yeah, in order to bring you know quality IR content to to the masses, Tim. Despite that, I still actually feel quite horrible, um, having not drunk very much, having had quite a lot of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I still I'm, I'm not feeling fantastic. So, so you're saying maybe the key is just to go completely. Yeah, uh, next year. Next year, I'm not even going to come to work. Yes, I, I think anyway, it's the the second day after that you're supposed to feel really awful, not not the, the just the next day. Oh, good. Thanks. So we've all got that to look forward to tomorrow. <laughs> and should we say congratulations to Garnet for winning the uh, best dressed award as well, or best costume? I think we should. Garnet had an amazing. Describe your hat that you wore yesterday, Garnet. Uh, well, Dom, um, our CEO, described it as um, I looked like a Christmas bishop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, Christmassy. Well, anyway, like I say, we're going to be keeping our sights very, very much turned on our own galaxy here and on our own planet, no less, because um, Garnet this week, I believe you've been concentrating on the IR Magazine Global Top 50. Yeah, so over the uh, the last few weeks, I've been talking to IROs from some of the highest ranking companies in the Global Top 50, which was revealed last month in New York. We talked about it in the podcast. And um, this week, I spoke to Dr. Elizabeth Sun, head of IR at TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, the only Asian firm ranked in the top 10. Dr. Sun is also a regular IR Magazine Awards winner, taking home the Grand Prix for the best overall investor relations in the large cap category at the Greater China Awards earlier this month as well. Actually, uh, I think I remember Dr. Sun was um, uh, a professor in the States before becoming an IR. Oh, there you go. And did she offer any insights into the success of uh, her company's IR program? Well, while she debated uh, whether or not she would call the achievements of the IR department success, um, she did say that the company has had a long focus on financial integrity, looking to make sure that the numbers are, quote, very trustworthy, very credible and consistent. This also applies to guidance, she adds, saying, quote, we have a very long track record of holding up those numbers, and I think that has earned us a lot of trust from long-term investors and indeed investors across the board. And did she have any tips to share as well? Well, I've actually been asking all the global top 10 IROs to share an IR lesson, so you'll be able to read some of those when the article comes out in the spring edition. For Dr. Sun, she says the most important lesson she's learned um, in terms of IR has been how to manage market expectations and choosing what to say and when in trying to balance internal forecast numbers and market expectations. Describing it as an art, she says, quote, managing market expectations is truly difficult and requires a lot of judgment. 
She also spoke about some of the challenges of working in such a technical industry. Because of the nature of our company, she says, I and the other IR team members spend a lot of time gaining a very high level of understanding of the technical aspects of the business so that we can internalise that information and communicate it to the outside world in a language that they can understand. To do this, Dr Sun says she gets herself invited to internal events where forward-looking issues are going to be discussed. And these, she says, are actually the best way to get a good insight into what's going on at TSMC. She also reads sell-side reports as well as subscribing to a lot of market intelligence studies. I think quite consistently, don't our, our top performers tend to be at companies where they have to explain really, really technical side of the company in a lot of detail to investors, right? Well, she did. She talked about um, the added challenges that that presents in having to, and, and the amount of work that she has to put in in understanding all the technical changes that happen as well every few years within the company. And among a number of IROs that I did speak to, I also talked with Magdalena Moll from BASF, which is, of course, another company with potentially complicated technology. And she also noted the benefit of being able to explain highly technical aspects of the firm to analysts and investors and said that BASF even brings out some of its more scientific project leaders to talk about new innovations, um, which is something that they did at a recent two-day investor event. Dr. Sun, uh, if I recall correctly from um, our interview a couple of years ago, I think was the only IRO who said she did not go on roadshows. I mean, at all. Oh, how interesting. Was that in the, the Investor Perception Study from a couple of years ago? Yes, 2012-13. Ah, amazing. Well, I wonder how that measures up with findings from the Global Roadshow Report from this year, Tim. Yes, given that we're getting close to the end of the year, I had a look through our recent uh, Global Roadshow Report uh, for my newsletter this week, which is sponsored by Bank of America at Merrill Lynch, I should say, uh, to pull out some roadshow trends taking place at the moment. Uh, the report is based on a survey of more than 900 IROs and uh, breaks down the results by region and market cap. So first of all, one of the, uh, one of the key findings was just that companies are going on more roadshows. Um, uh, this year, in 2015, the average number of roadshows put on by IR teams was 8.6, and that's up from uh, 7.5 last year. Uh, looking at that from a regional perspective, Europeans are the busiest. Uh, they went on an average of 13 roadshows in 2015, which sounds like an awful lot. Another thing that the report looks at is uh, what cities companies are travelling to. There weren't a lot of changes this year from last, uh, but one notable difference was that Asia's investment centres have grown in popularity. We have a ranking of the top 20 uh, most visited cities in the world, and within that, Singapore rose two places and Hong Kong rose four places. So they are now 15th and 16th in terms of most visited cities on a global basis. The report also looks at what role the brokers play in the whole the roadshow organisation process, is that right? Uh, yes, we, we asked companies to say who they have travelled with over the last year, which gives us the, the most used brokers globally and regionally. Uh, but I wanted to look at something slightly different, which is uh, which broker puts on the most impressive roadshow. So a different question we ask is just name the broker who put on your favourite roadshow from last year. Companies can nominate anyone they want to. And for 2015, it was Credit Suisse that came out on top with the most mentions. So uh, well done to them. Uh, well done to Credit Suisse indeed. Were there any other findings to highlight from the report? Um, I wanted to mention two more findings um, that we ask each year. First of all, we normally ask, would you travel with a broker who has a neutral or negative rating on your company? Which is quite a popular question. A lot of people want to know the response to that. And most of the respondents, four out of five, uh, say they would do. They would travel with a broker regardless of the rating. Um, so that's clearly not an issue when it comes to picking people to partner with for non-deal roadshows. And then finally, we, we asked a question which I think would be interesting to uh, Dr. Sun, among others. It's about which... Uh, investor events do you consider the most rewarding and here we we ask respondents to think about investor days conferences non-deal roadshows and other events and to say which ones they think are the most rewarding i.e which ones are the best use of their time 
And as usual, non-deal roadshows uh, comes out as much more popular than any other type of investor event. So I think that's a very useful piece of information when companies are thinking about how to divide up their time over the next year. Well, it's funny because I, I just spoke to the, um, the head of IR at LinkedIn, and he was saying that his most popular um, event was um, campus visits. So visits to the LinkedIn uh, campus, I was going to say site. It's quite a grand term for it. They call themselves investor education officers as well, don't they? So I guess you get to, do you get to graduate in LinkedIn studies after you've visited. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess an element of it must be that, you know, obviously roadshows are the most popular, but it may depend on your company as well what the most kind of engaging way of meeting investors is. Yeah, and it depends what your objectives are as well. So I think if a company wants to, you know, start a new conversation with the street, wants to change the way it's being measured, then something like an investor day is going to be very, very important. However, speaking generally about getting to meet the right kind of investors, the type of investors that company wants to target, um, I think that's where the non-deal roadshow uh, comes in as, as the most rewarding compared to other events. Back to Condice, who's been looking at the repercussions of the Fed's very recent rate hike. Yes, it's the news the financial world had been expecting for a while now. Um, so the Fed has, has officially announced it was um, increasing its uh, funds rate. So what does this mean for IROs? Uh, I covered the topic in a feature for our winter edition, and uh, basically uh, a rate hike means investors' mindset, risk appetite, and uh, therefore asset allocation strategies are going to change. So as Robert Borchert from Med Assets mentioned in our interview, IROs really need to, uh, to keep a close eye, um, not to say an even closer eye than usual, on uh, what their shareholders will be looking for uh, going forward. And how can they do that? I believe you've also been speaking to NASDAQ for some more practical advice. Yes, Dan Romito from NASDAQ Corporate Solutions advises uh, IROs to do a few things. Firstly, to identify shareholders within your company's top 50 that uh, are most inclined to take profits by analyzing their sales patterns from a fundamental and industry standpoint. Secondly, pinpoint the fund that should remain interested in your stock by seeking out sector agnostic investors that focus on a specific risk return profile. Your profile will be a function of how well your balance sheet is managed and how efficiently your company has been allocating capital to create shareholder value, for example, by increasing dividends or repurchasing shares. And are there going to be sectors which will suffer more from this hike than others? Yes, sectors such as uh, consumer discretionary, IT, materials, and industrials will, um, will most likely experience the most impact, as investors are well aware that the, the market has peaked for them. Also, because of the strong dollar, uh, U.S. companies that have a lot of uh, business overseas are going to feel pressure on their valuation from uh, decreased exchange rates, in addition to the increased discount rate triggered by the hike. But surely there'll be some kind of security from those you know, long-term investors that companies have been looking after. Well, Dan Romito remarked that uh, even long-term investors are sometimes willing to turn to an activist if they're unhappy about a company's capital deployment strategy. So companies should assess their own fundamental vulnerabilities and also keep an eye on activists that prance on companies with a, a similar profile. I'm actually off to uh, speak to Josh Black from uh, Activist Insight, so perhaps I'll have some activist insights for you when ah, we get back. Fantastic. Mm. Straight from this meeting, go on. It's off exactly. to get some more intelligence. <laughs> I'm sure over the new year, anyway, that will be top of most IRO's priority list for something to talk to their constituencies about. Um, but we are going to, on that note, break up until the new year. This is our last podcast until after Christmas. Don't miss us too much. Um, we'll be back, I think, the week of the 4th of January. So there should be a pod with you on the 8th. Thank you, Connit. That's because that's when I come back to work. <laughs> Just in time. Could, should we finish with a French saying? What's a French good French saying? Bonne année, bonne santé, casse-toi la gueule dans l'escalier. <laughs>
Anyone translate? <laughs> Happy New Year, uh, good health, and um, break a leg and uh, walking down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Something you can all take to heart. Well, from everyone at the ticker, have a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, have a good time, keep yourself Happy New well. Year. Happy New Year. Um, and we'll be back in January. Bye. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine. For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register at irmagazine.com or download the app.